Who out of any of us is well-adjusted, I ask you? Misfits, seekers, weirdos, overachievers, underachievers, aliens, immigrants, gay, straight, bi, confused, cowboys, Indians, pilots, sailors, soldiers, explorers, ducks, geese, you name it. Who out of any of that is well-adjusted, turned out well-adjusted? Oh, and by the way, the Dewey Decimal System, well, that turned out to be a scam. If you took a satellite view of uh, Wilton, California, you'd see an alarming number of giant uh, oblong objects that are uh, filing into about a 500-acre property centered around a uh, a lake that's divided by what looks to be uh, a giant grassy peninsula shaped uh, in the f- fashion of a well a giant clitoris and that's where you'd find me watching it all happen today well when this comes out it'll be the first day of naked man of the four-day festival festival i've already been uh, intercepted by a guy driving a golf cart shaped like a, a pirate ship um, handed out sunglasses dressed as a, uh, he, was he, uh, yeah, I guess he was dressed as a pirate or pirate-ish, pirate-like. And, um, he's got a, he had a whole box of, uh, sunglasses to which he offered me. And I took, I took the white ones. I took the white rimmed sunglasses cause I'm, uh, I'm fostering a new look, um, Going with the white, the white rimmed sunglasses, going a white beard, and then I'm gonna go with some kind of uh, knit cap. <clears throat> and uh, but uh, that's what's up. That's what's going on. Uh, all the weirdos are, are are clamoring in for this four day. Well, actually, it's like a three day. I guess it's like a three day Thursday. Friday, Saturday. Saturday's the the lighting of the burning man, the lighting of the representational naked man, which I guess it, uh, it like I was saying last year, it's kind of a symbolic gesture. I think, uh, well, it used to, I think it used to be that people would put their, uh, like they would write or inscribe some note or some kind of uh, notion of, or uh, something that maybe they were looking to, uh, they were looking to transcend or eradicate or um, probably probably weave out of their lives somehow, maybe. And then they would place that inscribed note onto the the precipice that that uh, that was being burned. And this it used to be, I from what I gather. It used to be a, uh, an, a an entire wooden structure, and uh, now it's all metal. So this year I don't know what it's going to be, but I think it. And it used to be out on the little peninsula that we've we've kind of uh, we've kind of uh, nestled our way into, kind of kind of uh, created a little our own little nest, so to speak, but. Uh, but there's a lot of sh- a lot of shit going down as we speak. Um, we're kind of on this strange and cataclysmic precipice right now. We got an actual hot war in Russia, which, like I say, you know, the '80s are back in full force. We got a senile president in office, and we've got a uh, well, we've got we got a cold war uh, that turned into a hot, well, it wasn't even a cold war. This went just straight, like, uh, just came out of nowhere. Right. And then, um, we got, what else we got? Oh shit. We got fucking, uh, we got the crypt keeper Pelosi flying out to Taiwan. So China's on alert. They're firing up their, uh, their tanks, you know, they're getting those engines ready, you know, just to show it kind of a sign of force. 
and white. You know, I'm not sure why they're having that nastier reaction. But uh, so it all, it seems kind of like, kind of weird and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, doomsday clockish, kind of at the last second, the last second of uh, the, the doomsday clock here. So it makes perfect sense that there's like hundreds of thousands of miles that are traveled to this place for thousands of people to gather together to kind of go over whatever ordeal, whatever transgressions, any problems that they've dealt with in the last year. And, uh, and then, and then just set it ablaze, make it disappear. I don't know. This seems to me, it's very, well, it's kind of like, it's tribal. It's, but, it, but, but not in a, uh, not in an exclusive way. It's just kind of this, more in a shamanistic way. More of like, a, well, <clears throat> I've been reading, been reading this book, Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas by uh, Tom Robbins. And man, this is, okay, so this takes, let's see, the book came out in 94. It takes place... I guess concurrent with that time frame, uh, early 90s, because they refer to the uh, Wall Street crash of 87. And uh, I guess that's kind of a congruous, congruous parallel to kind of, well, just the beating that our economy has now taken. And... Uh, it seems to be a, a yeah, like a, like a like a weird parallel. This book seems to describe. It's basically okay. So I've talked about Tom Robbins in the past. He's kind of he's he's out there. He's got a he's a trip. He's from uh, I think is is he comes from a um, he comes from a long line of uh, strange storytellers and. Um, priests and um so a uh what is he uh, let's see he's just he's a guy you know he's got he's he's definitely got some strange little uh, quirks and idiosyncrasies if you want to call him that so um he spent two years living on an Indian reservation up in uh, just outside of Laconner in Washington, and um, but he comes from uh, what did he say? He comes from uh, there's a kind of a lineage that he um, what did he say? His, his 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 grandfather was a preacher, and his. The other grandfather was like a, uh, what the hell did he say it was? But what it, what it deduced was it's kind of this uh, nature versus nurture type of, type of, uh, I don't know, hillbilly upbringing, right? So he, uh, let's see. Born in, uh, oh, he just had a birthday, too, July 22nd. He just turned 90. Like, Joe Rogan should have this guy on his on his podcast because this guy is uh, presumably not going to be around much longer. But um, but he was born in uh, North Carolina, and both his grandfathers were Baptist preachers. That's what it is. So he... Um, so yeah, he and then he uh, before let's see, he was born in North Carolina, and then he moved to uh, Virginia, and grew up kind of in a hillbilly culture, right? And uh, but what reason I I say the nature versus nurture thing is is like because um, he's a storyteller, right? And uh, so I think he draws a lot of or. He, a lot of that's drawn from just uh, growing up like he did with, um, you know, 
preachers are good storytellers. Like he, um, he's definitely got a, he's definitely got a real precarious kind of devil may care style to him too. But, but what he also has is, um, he's, uh, do, 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 do. He was a good friend of Terrence McKenna's. And, uh, so let's see. Uh, uh, under the, under the subject heading of his personal life, says here Robbins was a friend of Terrence McKenna whose influence appears evident in a couple of his books. A main character, Larry Diamond in Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas, advocates a theory similar to those of McKenna involving the history and cultural influence of psychedelic plants. Uh, Robbins also spent time with Timothy Leary. So he's a seeker, man. He's in a, he's an explorer, but he literally, but he literally is like he, uh, spent a few weeks down in the, um, down in, um, Central America looking at the pyramids and, uh, their connections to time and space. He's, uh, gosh, he couldn't be one of more than, say, you know, a few dozen Westerners. I'm just, and I'm just kind of spitballing that one, but to go visit Timbuktu, which is, um, the more I learn about that place, the weirder I think about it. It's, uh, it's so surreal. Just, it's so in the middle of nowhere. It's like it just, it just was born from the sand of the Sahara that it sits in, right? And, and my personal theory being that it was a stopping off point for tradesmen, trade routes, scholars, uh, antediluvian scholars, meaning the poets and the scientists and the you know the sailors and the uh, guys that kind of had a connection to uh, Atlantis right so it's somewhere in between where Atlantis is presumed to be and then um, and then the pyramids of Egypt so there's all this weird connection to um, well, the universe. And one of the presuppositions uh, that, that I first read about in this book, Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas, is the notion that this tribe, the Dogon tribe, the Dogon, D-O-G-O-N, uh, and then this other tribe, the Bozo tribe, spelled like it sounds, not Bozo the Clown, but like Bozo the Tribe, were these two kind of uh, neighboring tribes that were regional, regionally located on the outskirts of Timbuktu and could plot out the, uh, the Dogen or the uh, Sirius B. Um, was it this? Yeah, I think it was the Sirius B. Womp, womp, womp. The dog star, you know. And... Um, and how they knew about this, nobody can figure out. So that's why the scholars would come down from Europe. They would travel through the desert to uh, Timbuktu to meet with other scholars. And um, again, like, you know, the mystery surrounding the pyramids is like, why are they there? What did they do? Who made them? How'd they make them? Um, but there's, you know... Now you got this weird kind of lineage that kind of spans the northern portion of Africa, right? That has all this weird shit going on. So this guy, Tom Robbins, he was, uh, he, 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 he kind of, uh, what did he say? He, I just, I, I pulled up an article about him. He said uh, that the biggest day of his life, well, one, of his, one of the biggest days of his life, let's see if I could find it was in 1963 in 1963 
1963. Yeah, come here, paper boy. Um, do, do, do. Specifically, the day. Where is it? Where are you? 1963. The Rolling Stone article talking about hmm, July 16th, 1963, that it is. With Inexorable, beer-fueled logic. The conversation proceeds directly to psychedelics. July 16th, 1963. Robin says, With the most rewarding day of my life, because that was the first day I took acid. Um, In those days, Robbins was newly engaged in hunting edible mushrooms in the forests around Seattle, which he moved to... uh, Um, And about the same time, Holiday Magazine published an article describing the peculiar consciousness-expanding properties of a mushroom called psilocybe. Psilocybe. So, Robbins was curious, and so he approached an older woman in Olympia with whom he had hunted fungi and who had moreover written a mushroom guidebook she looked exactly like margaret rutherford he says knee socks and tweed skirts and she didn't want to have anything to do with psychedelic mushrooms she suggested however a nearby university professor conversant with the subject that uh that professor demurred also but but referred robbins to a pharmacology professor um so this was Pater the pharmacology professor was an amateur painter Robbins was an art critic at the time Robbins kind of came from the world of art so he had a real twisted bent on things and at the time uh, well so he hunted this guy down this pharmacology professor um do 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 they met for lunch and finally robbins popped the question forget the mushrooms the professor answered there's something else called lsd 25 so and i you know i've got uh, uh, among the theories that i uh, uh, among the half-cocked theories that i have the lingering theories one being of course that um Timbuktu was kind of a midway point between the pyramids and Atlantis, but I have a weird underlying theory that um, Tom Robbins was on the bus, man. I've talked about this uh, in, I think, probably more than one, uh, more than one podcast. But so my when I was uh, at Tower Books, when I was in my 20s, Working my way, stashing some money to go to Europe, man. I work with this guy, Chris, and he would always say, uh, when people walk in, the funkier the better, you know, he'd go, is he on the bus or off the bus? And you'd have to figure out, well, is he an acid head or is he not? But when you kid with Tom Robbins, when, you, when the subject of Tom Robbins comes up, he was on, I gotta believe he was on the bus. He was on the bus. There's no documentation. There's no written documentation that I'm aware of, whether it be in uh, Tom Wolfe's book, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, or any of Tom Robbins' books, or, you know, any book by Tom, anything written by a guy named Tom, you know, anything to do with somebody named Tom. And by the way, Tom is a good, that's a, you know, Tom's a solid dude. Like, if you, if, if you got a buddy Tom, Tom is, uh, for whatever reason, because, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, well, it's been talked a lot about in regard to determinism, which I'm a big, uh, big proponent of, like, specifically nominative determinism. So, you are your name, I, and I've, I've talked 
in length about this, but Tom is, whenever you bump into Tom, you, you, you be rest assured, like, that's a good dude, Tom's a solid guy, he'll give you the shirt off his back, you can throw up in his car, he won't even, he won't even bitch about it, you know, he's like, ah, oh, he'd be like, oh, it's all right, bud, it's all right, bud, so Tom, you can trust Tom, Tom's solid, you know, Tom's as cool as the day is long, right, so when I talk about Tom Wolf and I talk about Tom Robbins, I can trust that they're telling me, you know, they're giving me the real deal, I assume, right? So, but the difference between determinism and free will, I, I believe people have free will. I think there's free will so that determinism or it's, uh, it's, um, it's cousin, um, uh, nature versus nurture, um, I think that the notion that there, there has to be, there has to be, like, free will has to exist because determinism says that all things are going to happen f- you know for uh let me see let me see where, where did I find it ba, ba, ba. one of the characters in the book here talks specifically about that oh here is it this one well, what's weird about this, too, this book is written in second person as opposed to first person. I, I did this. I went there. I'm doing this. I had that. And third person being they did that. Then they went there. Then they rode this. The second, ter- the second person, man, is such a trip. It's like, for example, like paragraph will start out. What you actually are doing is reading... Friday's edition of the Wall Street Journal. The experience is both disheartening and marginalizing. There was a time when you could have gone to the disco on a weekend or holiday and availed yourself of the tools and materials of the trade. It's a weird... It's weird. It's, uh... But they, so he makes a pretty good point in here. If I do, 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 let me just find the damn. Free will. Uh, here it is. You know, if you see that somebody is driving down I. Five seventy-five miles an hour blindfold. You can safely predict that relatives of that person will be coming into money, providing that the person's adequately insured. Okay, Gwen. But if a psychic claims she or he can actually know future events, well, that's denying that there's free will. And I happen to believe in free will. The future's not preordained. Anything that I reveal to you tonight can be changed. So that that is what I'm talking about. That, that epitomizes. The notion of free will. So, um, so I guess I only believe in a branch of determinism. Like I don't believe in all the military branches. I just believe in one. Right? <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. Nominative determinism. So, uh, it's inescapable. It's inescapable. I mean, look at Tom Hanks' sons. Colin has never been more of a Colin than Colin has. And Chet Hanks is the epitome of every Chet. You know, every cheap beard drinking, bad tattoo wearing, Dale Earnhardt shirt wearing. You know where I'm going with that. But um, but where am I going with all this, you ask? Or maybe you didn't ask. Um... Well, he was a... Okay, so... So Tom Robbins was this huge fan of... Or a friend of... uh, Terrence McKenna, right? Well, Terrence McKenna... 
he is uh, well, he was an American ethnobotanist and a mystic who abdicated the responsible use of naturally occurring psychedelic plants, right? Um, and he spoke on a variety of subjects, including psychedelic drugs, plant-based ethiogens, shamanism, metaphysics, alchemy, you know, all that shit. And uh, he was uh, considered the Timothy Leary of the 90s, one of the leading off, uh, authorities uh, on the uh, ontological foundations, foundations of shamanism and the intellectual voice of rave culture. So, the, you know, and if you break it down, I mean, look at, like, what are you doing at a rave? You're taking, usually you're taking, like, uh, MDMT, you know, ecstasy, maybe acid. And you're just getting in a trance, right? Um, and, uh, but this dude, man, he was, uh, he was something else. So at, uh, the age of 16, McKenna moved to, he was born, let's see, he was born in, um, Colorado and he developed a, uh, hobby of fossil hunting. Colorado's got all kinds of like woolly mammoth bones and shit like that. We've, it's, it's a fa- it would be a fascinating place to grow up. But, but when he was 16, he moved to uh, California and he finished high school in Lancaster, California. The same place. I don't know what it is about Lancaster too. Cause you had uh, Don Van Vliet out there, AKA Captain Beefheart living next door to uh, Frank Zappa. I mean, two of the, wackiest space cadets to ever buy a ticket to this to this rocket ship and so now you got Terrence McKenna out there and so in 63 the same year that uh, Robbins did acid for the first time he was uh uh coincidentally McKenna did the uh, he was introduced to the literary world of psychedelics through the doors of perception by Aldous Huxley oh yes of course and um, he said one of his earliest psychedelic experiences with morning glory seeds showed him that there was something there worth pursuing. Uh, and in interviews, he claimed to have smoked cannabis daily since his teens. So, okay, so he... Um, so while, uh, so then he enrolled at, at Berkeley. He went, to, he went to UC Berkeley. And uh, while there... Um, began studying shamanism through the study of uh, Tibetan folk religion, right? And uh, <laughs> that same year he called his opium and Kabbalah phase, he traveled to Jerusalem where he met um, this woman, Kathleen Harrison, who uh, another ethnobotanist who uh, later he would marry, okay? But he traveled, he was a traveler, man. So he traveled in Nepal, Led by his interest in Tibetan painting and hallucinogenic shamanism. So this is what he's doing. He sought out shamans of the Tibetan Bon tradition. Trying to learn more about uh, the shamanic, shama, uh, shamanic use of visionary plants. Um, studied the Tibetan language. Uh, he worked as a hashish smuggler until one of his Bombay to Aspen shipments uh, was... Uh, well, it was intercepted by U.S. Customs, and then he wandered through Southeast Asia, viewing ruins, and spent time as a professional butterfly collector in Indonesia. So, how fucking interesting is that? But these guys, so this is what they, this was like their, this was their thing. Um, he spent time in the uh, Colombian Amazon in search of Okui, uh, Okui. A plant preparation containing dimethyltryptamine, DMT, right? Uh, but instead of finding the okui, they found fields of gigantic psilocybin mushrooms. So he took a little hard right there. And um, so uh, it kind of circumscribed his studies and then... Consequently, they, uh, as they were in this region, hypothesized this would give them um, 
access to the collective memory of the human species. That's pretty heavy duty. So they center, uh, basically the brothers, he has a, his brother Dennis and him, uh, they, they attempted to bond. Like this is how, like this is interesting shit, but they, they tried to bond Harmine. Harmine is another psychedelic compound uh, they use synergistically with the mushrooms with their own neural DNA through the use of a set specific, <laughs> through the use of a set specific, uh, vocal techniques, specific set of vocal techniques, uh, that would give them the collective memory of the human species. Like I'm not even making this shit up. Like there's funky shit, man. And the, like, if you go out to the desert in Lancaster or you go out to Joshua tree, that, that, there's some weird shit going on there. There's like weird, you know, structures that were built to like communicate with other beings, you know, uh, in the uh, stratosphere. So these guys are full, like full seekers, right? Uh, in 72, McKenna returned to UC Berkeley to finish his studies. In 75, he graduated, graduated with a degree in ecology, shamanism, and conservation of natural resources. So there's a there's like there's an element there, a linking element. So you you know your communication. There's a there's okay. So a lot of people say that they hear voices sometimes when they take mushrooms, right? Where are those voices coming from? Is it is it some kind of is it a spiritual thing? Is it a schizophrenic thing? Is it a what is it, right? And the mushrooms themselves have these really intricate uh, root systems that link up together to form their own communication. Like, and, um, okay, so that coupled with, I would say, an infiltration of it into our own psyche, is possibly what is happening. Those voices may be a, who knows, a satellite communication to use a, I don't know, maybe a generic term to communicate uh, with other beings, right? I guess. I mean, there's a lot, it's, it's a lot of shit going on, right? Um, I mean, this shit's been going on f forever, forever in different ways, in different forms with ayahuasca, cannabis, plant-derived DMT, um, so, but that, that being said, he soon, you know, this guy, so this guy McKenna, he became a, a fixture of, of, of like a, he was like a counterculture figure. And that's kind of what Robbins is. You kind of like, that's why you don't know much about is like, was he on the bus? Was he off the bus? I think whether deliberately or inadvertently or accidentally, he kept a low profile, I guess. Right. And, uh, but as McKenna became a popular counterculture figure, uh, with Timothy Leary, who once introduced him as, one of the five or six most important people on the planet. Um, he he began getting referenced by other heads, other thinkers, guys like Bill Hicks, you know, the 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 late stand-up comedian uh, who kind of was uh, he was out there too. He was a little out there, had some strange epiphanies himself uh, in the course of his life. Died a little prematurely from. Uh, I believe it was lung cancer, but, um, but he became, he became a personality in the psychedelic kind of rave dance scene of the early nineties. Um, he did a lot of spoken word performances at raves and contributions to psychedelic and trance albums. Um, he's out there, man. He's out there, but, um, but it's all legit. It, it's not like it's some. It's not. Like, it's not like he's just kind of tripping balls for the, for the, the the novelty of it. I mean, 
it's, uh, you know, he really, he had a lot to say on the issue. Um, but he, he, so in essence, he advocated the exploration of altered states of mind, uh, via the ingestion, the ingestion of naturally occurring psychedelic substances. Um, for example, like in, in uh, high doses of psychedelic mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, uh, he believed was the apothesis of, of the psychedelic experience. He was less enthralled with synthetic drugs. Um, he was more, you know, he believed in kind of the natural state of things or natural derivatives, of course. But he said, but he also said experiment, experimenters should be very careful. One must build up to the experience. These are bizarre dimensions of extraordinary power and beauty. There is no set rule to avoid being overwhelmed. But move carefully, reflect a, reflect a great deal, and always try to map experiences back onto the history of the race and the philosophical and religious accomplishments of the species. All the compounds are potentially dangerous, and all compounds at sufficient doses or repeated over time involve risks, uh, and that's that's uh, that's definitely that's that's for show. That's for show. Um, but he also recommended and often spoke of taking what he called heroic doses uh, to kind of um, to kind of I don't know to kind of shift in the opposite direction. He defined as. Uh, Taken alone on empty stomachs in silent darkness with eyes closed. He believed that uh, when taken this way, one could expect a profound visionary experience, believing it, uh, it is only when slain by the power of the mushroom that the message becomes clear. So, but he was, uh, <laughs> so this is where, okay, so he, um, he's, he's taken many, 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 many journeys. And it's not so much that he's like a fixture at these places, like more so maybe Burning Man in the Nevada desert, I would say would be more of a prevalent, you know, there's, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me to see like, uh, eulogized murals or tie dyes or what you, silk screens of, uh, images of him or something. If I, if I went out there, which would be actually, I don't know. It's so commercialized though. You know, the, that's the problem is, is it's so like. Uh, it's so like Instagramized now that it's like it, it, I don't know, like, it seems like, uh, it seems like a, too much of a byproduct of being out there is just the, the over commercialization of it, I guess. Right. But, uh, but he, he kind of, okay. So this, but. This was, is what I also found interesting, though, in, in all these pursuits. He, he, he avoided giving his allegiance to any one interpretation. Part of his reject... He, he wasn't a monotheist, okay? So he believed that like, there's probably spiritual forces or energies kind of guiding things. He was open to the idea of psychedelics as being like transdimensional travel. He proposed that, DM, that DMT uh, send one to a parallel dimension. That's... That's for damn sure. Uh, and the psychedelics literally enabled an individual to encounter high, higher dimensional entities. Um, or what could be ancestors or spirits of the earth. So. But one. <laughs> one. Uh, one thing he. Let's see. He, did, he was. He was opposed to Christianity in most forms of organized religion. Which is kind of. I don't know. I have to. I have to side with him on that. It's kind of mere. It's kind of. It's too man-made. You know. You know the arguments always being like. Um, you know, why was why? How come all the stories in the Bible were just exclusive to one particular region, and then and, and in that particular region were so many uh, illiterates? I mean, in the Middle East in that time period, there was. Many, 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 many illiterate people, which is susceptible to uh, exploitation or manipulation, right? When, why, you know, if you if it had happened in China, then it would have been 
I mean, there was educated, well-read people in China. You know, why did it only, why did all this only happen? And then why did it only happen in this one time frame? And this guy, God, he did so much talking in this realm at this time. And he's been really, 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 really quiet uh, since then. Right? So of the 200,000 billion years that, you know, of the 200,000 years of primate human exploration and uh, development God was indifferent to everything that happened in in that 198,000 years and then the, just it was only in the last 2,000 that he decided to step in so I get it so he's opposed to Christianity most forms of organized religion or guru based forms of spiritual awakening f- favoring shamanism which he believed was the broadest spiritual paradigm available, stating that, and in his words, he says, what I think happened in, is that in the world of prehistory, all religion was experiential. And it was based on the pursuit of ecstasy through plants. And at some time, very early, a group interposed itself between people and direct experience of the other. This created hierarchies, priesthoods, theological systems, castes, ritual, taboos. Shamanism, on the other hand, is an experiential science that deals with an area where we know nothing. It is important to remember that our epistemological tools have developed very unevenly in the West. We know a tremendous amount about what is going on in the heart of the atom, but we know absolutely nothing about the nature of the mind. True, true that, true that, dog. Um, but his, I think, uh, one of his most illuminated and probably most controversial theories would be the stoned ape theory, which I hear quoted a lot by uh, Rogan. Rogan's always talking about that shit, right? And his his uh, hypothesis uh, uh, relating to that is uh, in the 1992 book Food of the Gods, McKenna proposed that the transformation from humans' early ancestors, Homo erectus, to the species Homo sapiens mainly had to do with the addition of the mushroom in the diet and made in an, an event according that according to his theory took place uh, in about 100,000 BC which is when he believed that the species diverged from the genus Homo right so so basically it just states that due to the desertification the desertification of the African continent at that time human forerunners were forced into the forced from the increasingly shrinking tropical canopy which like the Sahara Desert used to be uh, an ocean. There used to be water, you know. The, there used to be an entire sea there that dried up, right? So, so the desertification of the African continent at that time, uh, human forerunners were forced from the uh, increasingly shrinking tropical canopy into s- s- search of new food sources. So he believed that he, they would have been following large herds of wild cattle whose dung harbored the insects that, he proposed were undoubtedly part of their new diet and would have spotted and started eating psilocybin mushrooms, right? Often growing out of cow shit, right? That's where we get them, right? So that's where two roads diverged in the woods and uh, we took the one less traveled. Um, so there's a lot going on there, but... The connection, the connection really, to this book, Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas, which I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm fat. The second time around makes it a little more uh, interesting because of the parallels now with the crashing. It opens with the crashing of the stock market uh, in, in the 90s, early 90s, even though 
it already happened. It did. Ha it really happened in '87. I remember that because that's when Virgin went public and Richard Branson lost a lot of money, but eventually gained it back because it's man-made. And all that shit is just a, a byproduct of our own, you know, doing and undoing at the same time. But, but now you look at the economy now and what's going on. There's, uh, there's a lot of parallels. So, so he starts going into the, uh, this character Larry Diamond is uh, kind of an amalgamation of uh, parts of Terrence McKenna, right? And uh, which is substantiated. Uh, like it's like it, that's a, like that that's a real theory. That's not uh, something I just pulled out of my ass. But it's really interesting because um, there, this is where we find. the relationship of the Dogen tribe and the Bozo tribe to the serious major, the star, the dog star, right? The, that you can't see with the naked eye, yet they know exactly where it is in the sky. And how? Nobody knows. Nobody knows, man. Is it mushrooms? Is it some kind of shamanistic trance? Is it something? I don't know. But I'm kind of swept up now into kind of this strange energy that's accumulating now as we speak somewhere in a strange lake in the middle of Wilton, California that's divided by a large strip of grass that looks like a woman's clitoris. So, so that, that we're about to find out. So festivities kick off this evening. And it's going to be one long, strange trip, if you know what I mean. And I think you do. Okay, Sugar, the answer to your question is yes. They just party till Sunday. It's Wednesday night. This, this, as you're listening to this, it'll be Thursday, but right now it's Wednesday night. We just did a loop around the track, or, or a loop around the lake to look at all the, the uh, space oddities that, that, are, out that are out and about. What, what was your, what was your... Like, yeah, they're all here to get fucked up, you know? Yeah. But it's also kind of a weird spiritual pilgrimage, you know? Oh, you can pick up that vibe. Yeah. It's easy to pick up. Yeah, this is like a weird, like a... It's like a... Like one of those fabric... Or one of those blankets made from, like, different fabrics or different patches. Like, it's a patchwork quilt. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all, everybody from every... Everybody from... Everywhere, and they all have the same common interest in us to watch some ridiculous Burning Man thing happen. <laughs> but at the same time, they're gonna get fucked up. So tomorrow is the kickoff, or rather, when this airs, it'll be this evening. And so they're already over on the other side of the lake, just partying like it's like it's a dance fever over there with Danny Terrio. Remember that show? Uh uh. Oh. Uh, so, what do you but think? Anything dance fever disco is funny. But it's packed out. It's packed out. But there's still more people gonna come in. And there's still more people coming. So, so like I say, it's like a big, giant, like weird, kind of like end the end of the world type of. Maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this is it, dear. Maybe maybe we were all the chosen ones. We just no. we just kind of tapped into the right frequency. You know what I'm saying? No, because there's too many weirdos. Well, yeah, us. Uh, I'm not weird. Oh, oh. <laughs> I just like to look at weird people. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got a guy just set up shop next to us who's got like this, uh, what would you call it, like a cosmonaut, like NASA-inspired tricycle that like it's like a, if he could fly with it he would yeah it looks like uh, it was definitely acid inspired yeah so I would venture to say at least 30% of people here are acid heads what do you think um, probably um, well yeah that might be right but probably like 80% smoke weed oh yeah oh for sure so but I kind of showed her where the spots were going to be where to get the certain food drinks coffee there's one booth said coffee and hugs yeah 
So. And there's a little fake mini putt thing. Yeah, a little golf course, a little. You can play for free. A little makeshift golf course. Um, like I say, there's a rave going on on the other side of the lake over there, and um, so it's it's fixing to it's fixing it's fixing to get wild. Get wild, I am. But that's <clears throat> that that's about that's about the long and the short of it, folks. I'll keep you guys in the loop. <laughs> I'll. Uh, I'll tell you how it all goes, how it all accumulates, how this whole, this whole disparate microorganism came together in different parts based on some kind of like lo-fi frequency that we all picked up and we just made our way out here. It's kind of weird. It's kind of trippy. It is weird that you checked it out and then now we come up, come out here. This is my first year I get to see the Burning Man. It's going to be wild. I didn't get to experience it last year. Yeah. When was the Naked Man, or has it happened yet? No, it's Saturday. They do it Saturday. Naked Man and Burning Man? Oh, no, Burning Man's the one in Nevada. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, s I don't know when they do that one. August? Wait, you said the Burning Man's in Nevada? Mm-hmm. Well, then what are they doing here? Naked Man. Oh, they're... You don't even know where you're at, do you? So, they're not doing any burning at all this weekend? Yes, they are, dear. But this is the clothing optional resort version of Burning Man. Oh, got it. This okay. is not Burning Man as we know it. As the no, I know. desert rave. So, it's Laguna del Sol Burning Man. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much get that. It takes place on a giant lake. It has a peninsula right up the middle. It looks like a big giant clitters. And that's it. That's it. Until next time. Until next time. Arrivederci, babies. Talk at you later. <laughs>